Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's been a been two weeks. How you doing, Zach? Man, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Excited to be back here. Um, last week, I finished my move into downtown Berkeley, and you know that took a lot out of me. But um, you know, I'm happy to be back here on the pod talking Charger football after our, our week break. So this is the Shock Therapy Podcast, brought to you by the Say It Again Network. Zach moved to downtown Berkeley. How's how's downtown Berkeley, man? It's bustling. Um, I like it. I've never lived in a city before. Always, you know, kind of on the outskirts, but um, it's fun. Definitely different. There's never a dull moment. Always something going on, whether it's good or bad. We live right across the street from the hospital. So there's always something going on. A lot of action in, in downtown Berkeley. You find yourself a good brewery yet? No, I haven't got the chance yet to do any ex- exploring. Um, it's really been just moving furniture, getting utilities set up. We, it's only been a, a week that we've been out there. So not not yet, but I've heard it's a really cool town to check out. And I, I'm so excited to start adventuring and finding some bars. And and especially I need to get a brewery ASAP. Definitely got to get a brewery. You know, one of the things I remember about Berkeley, I've never been to Berkeley, but uh, I remember playing NCAA and seeing the Cal Bears stadium and you see the background, it's got all these trees, everything around it, man. You, you going to make a game over there at, at Cal? Oh, definitely. I'm a huge Golden Bear fan anyway. And my girlfriend is actually um, getting her master's degree there right now. So we get some discounted tickets uh, because she's a student. So we're definitely going to take advantage of that. I can't wait for the season to come out because I I am admittedly a big Cal Bear fan. Can you think of a player that plays for the Chargers that went to Cal Berkeley? Um, Now I'm on... Now you put me on the spot. I can't think. I did. Keenan Allen is actually oh, of a, course. a bear, bro. Keenan Allen. The, you, when you talk about Cal stars, the first people that, that I think of are Javid Best and then Marshawn Lynch. Those are the stars um, that I think what about, of. I honestly what about forget. Aaron Rodgers? That, that's to me. I <laughs> forget about all other. There's a lot of good Cal bears. And to me, when people say, great Cal Bears, I instantly go to Javid Best and Marshawn Lynch because that's kind of – that was the time that I was watching college football. It was those guys, and they were exciting. 
Cal has a thing for for quarterbacks, getting quarterbacks into the NFL, man. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is probably one of the most popular, but they always seem to have a good quarterback back there. Yeah, Goff is a Cal Bear, too. There's always – they breed them out there. So it's definitely a good quarterback school. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to be back, man. It's been two weeks. Uh, we got a good episode today. So yeah. we're going to be talking – I got the chance to join the Chargers Chat podcast. I don't know if you know that, but I got to talk about the Shock Therapy magazine. Uh, we only have about 15 copies left. Uh, I'm hoping to receive them on Monday. So I did get the tracking information. It does say that I should be receiving them on Monday, which is – uh, you know, 10 days later than I was expecting. But again, just kind of talking about the Shock Therapy podcast, 60 pages full of Chargers content. Zach got a chance to edit it and read it. I got a, a copy for you waiting. Uh, and then I talked awesome. a little bit about COVID-19 and how that reshaped the NFL season for 2020. Uh, speaking of the 2020 season, I do do a game-by-game recap. Talk about Anthony Land rightfully getting Anthony Lynn rightfully getting fired. Uh, I talk about Brandon Staley as the new hood coach. We go through the 2021 free agency, the NFL draft, and then kind of a brief short overview of the 2021 schedule. Uh, if you don't know, I am selling these copies for $15 a piece and I'm selling PDFs for five bucks. Uh, I love your support. Uh, this thing took me five months to write. It's a lot of a lot of information in it, and I had fun writing it. So if you're interested, you can get a hold of me at LAC Shock Therapy. You can get a hold of Zach Alfers at Zach Alfers or at the Masterbolt, which is my personal account. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to read it. I'm going to bring some over to the um, Chargers training camp, which I will be going to on August 9th. I do have a extra ticket, so if anybody wants to go, free of charge uh you just gotta be able to show up i can't believe that's still on the table how people didn't just swarm all over that i saw it and i was like where let me check my calendar i couldn't make it but i really wish i could i was just about to invite you zach you can't make it no um no i can't but i really wish i could and you know what it is circled on my calendar is october 10th cleveland browns la chargers I am going coming down for that. So that's going to be a fun game. Uh, I am going to be bringing you to that. Uh, the reason why it's not swarmed right now because it's only available right now to season ticket holders. Mm. It should be opening up to the general public sometime. Uh, the Chargers. Uh, one of the few things that they do get to do is is give access to season ticket holders a little bit first. So if you're logging on trying to figure out why you keep getting this this web page that keeps breaking on you, it's because when you sign in. You're not able to buy them yet, just yet. Uh, I would expect them the next day or two to open it up to the general public. So go get yourself a ticket. There's, I don't know, 15 different training camp days that you guys can go to. Uh, Most of them are still open. I just checked it about an hour ago. So get out there. Let's have some fun. And uh, I'm excited for training camp just in general. Yeah, man. I've been waiting antsy sweaty palms for two months talking on this podcast. I can't wait to get into training camp. So today we're going to be going over kickers and punters. Uh, I did get to watch some kicker and punter tape, which is always fun, (laughs) (laughs) especially when you're watching Michael Badgley and Ty Long last year. And another one, Shank. (laughs) 
so we're going to be going over kickers and punters, and we're also going to be going over some UDFAs. Uh, we won't be going over each of them, and we're going to be going over them each individually, not together, uh, just because there's so many of them, and I think it would uh, definitely make this podcast drag on. So let's yeah. talk first about uh, kickers. Let's go Michael Badgley. Uh, what are your thoughts? Is Michael Badgley going to make the final roster, or is he going to be replaced? Yeah, well, I I think the Chargers coming into this offseason, they knew we needed to improve our special teams overall across the board. And we've talked about on past episodes all of the guys we brought in to compete on the coverage units, but they also brought in a bunch of kickers and punters because Michael Badley was just absolutely awful last season. Michael he, Badgley was bad. Bad, bad. Nine field goal attempts he missed. They were all from beyond 40 yards out, but still, you're an NFL place kicker. Nine misses is entirely too much, especially when you add on that he shanked three extra point attempts as well. Um, but I, I kind of just look back on his you know, career so far. 2020 to me seems like the anomaly because he was absolutely money his first two seasons, so much so that he earned his sweet nickname as the Money Badger. He nailed a Charger record 59-yarder back in 2018, and I know he struggles with his accuracy last season, but they trotted him out on six attempts beyond 50 yards or 50 yards or deeper, and he hit two of them. Even with all the misses last year, he still has a career field goal percentage of 80, and I want to roll with the Money Badger next year. Um, I like the proven commodity. I know it's only three years, but experience is experience. I like Bagley over the unproven rookie. My feeling is if he stinks another year, all right, then then we can move on from him. But he's had two really great seasons for us. Last year was admittedly very, very bad, but I, I like Bagley as our kicker next season, even though I'm probably like the only person on this planet that thinks so. No, I actually agree with you. So my biggest fear is that we let Michael Badgley go. And then he turns into Josh Lambeau or Young Hoku. Yeah. That would be just terrible because the Chargers have had kickers. They've had them in the building. I mean, Young Young Way Ku was phenomenal last season. I think he made an all pro last year. Yeah, I remember yeah, I right. the one highlight I think of when I think of Young Way Ku is the backflip field goal. Oh man. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Backflip field goal. That was insane. I remember seeing that. That reminded me of like the old, um, like the mid 2000 fantasy football um, commercials. Oh they my would, like, gosh. You catching balls through the wall or stuff like that. Um, they looked like one of those videos. It didn't look real. Why should you, why should you pick me? Yeah. It, those ones. <laughs> yeah. Why should you I pick love those. me? Let me show you. And then you see like Chris Cooley sticking his hand through, uh, yeah, through, through like drywall and drywall and catching the ball. <laughs> those are sweet commercials. I wish they brought those back. They should bring those back, man. Those were fun. A lot of those are awesome. So yeah, that's my biggest fear. You said it. You know, Lambo has been basically perfect from under forty. Well, and it's it's funny you bring up Lambo and Coop because they had the same problem. Ice, ice money from the 50 yarders, but struggled in those intermediates and then figured it out in their third, fourth year. And now they're two of the best in the game. I do not want to see it happen again. So when it comes to Michael Badgley, like he's been money from under 40 yards and then progressively each year, he's actually gotten worse. I know the mm -hmm. 2019 season, he was injured for like half the year, had like a hamstring injury. But he was still, you know, seven of eight in 2018. He was six of eight from 
2019, and then he was two of six. And those are from 40 to 49 yards. So the accuracy, it has taken a dip, but showing some loyalty, a guy who's only going to get better, his confidence is only going to get better because last year is at a bottom low. Yeah. My also concern with Michael Badgley is that he really doesn't have a strong leg. He's not kicking touchbacks when he was doing kickoffs, which was a concern. I Mm -hmm. remember in 2018, the Chargers did bring in an extra kicker just to kick uh, kickoffs. That that was his role, and Badgley doesn't have it. Now, typically, you have your punter do the the kickoffs because punter isn't as necessarily – important as important as a kicker is in terms of putting points on the board right so typically you have your punters do the kickoffs Ty Long was actually pretty good at that last season Uh, he does have the power Badgley doesn't have the power he's got the accuracy from under 40 showing some loyalty giving him an extra shot I mean if you look at the guys that they brought in I'm not necessarily sure that these guys are that much better so let's yeah. go on and let's talk about uh, Tristan Vizcano. Okay. So what are your thoughts on Tristan Viz- Vizcano? Yeah. Um, well, he spent last season with the 49ers and made his NFL debut in the Week 16 matchup against the Seahawks. And he did convert all three field goal attempts. He added two extra points. But he's an undrafted rookie from the 2018 draft. He spent time on the practice squads with the Bengals, Cowboys, and the Vikings. But that game against Seattle is his only – NFL experience. He only appeared in that game because Robbie Gold was out due to COVID-19 protocols. So right. I, I really think he's the least talented of the three kickers we have in camp. Um, I really think he's just another body uh, to increase competition because I really think it's a two-man running between Bagley and Kessman at this point. That's kind of my feeling. I, I feel like he's the, the third the third wheel. So I actually went back and looked at Tristan Vizcano. He was a Washington Husky. He's from Chino Hills. Uh, he did some punting in college, but he wasn't very good at it. He averaged 40.7, which would have been a league low last season. And he didn't really start kicking field goals until he was a senior, where he only made 12 of nine total kicks. So he was a four-year kickoff specialist, but his touchback percentage was only 32%. Like you said, there isn't a whole lot of tape on him. There isn't a whole lot to watch. He's only three for three with the single extra point. And he's never, ever, ever kicked a field goal over 44 yards. His entire college career, his total NFL career. There isn't a whole lot to see. So unless you're at training camp or unless you're watching him in preseason, there's nothing to see. Yeah. He is probably my number three kicker right now. The fact that he even made it to an NFL roster at any point is kind of surprising without having some sort of college tape, something that, you know, wows you. You know, he's never kicked a 50-yard field goal. That's concerning to me Yeah, uh, right off the bat. Now, Alex Kessman, he is a leg that is pretty interesting to, to look at. So this guy is 20 of 29 with a long of 58 yards. He's made a 50-yard field goal in all four years of college. There's a lot of tape on Alex Kessman. I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch any. I just went straight to stats. Because when it comes to kickers, that's the first thing I think of yeah. is his stats. Uh, he has some experience as a punter from 2019. But where I'm really interested in Kessman 
is his kickoff experience. So he averaged 62 yards, which would put the ball into the end zone nearly every time. He got it into the end zone over 60% of the time when he was doing that. But he's still a sub 80% kicker, which is still a little concerning. Now, anytime you're drafting a kicker, very, very rarely are they going to be over 80, 85%. Rookie kickers, accuracy, it just takes time to develop that. Um, very rarely do you get, you know, a Harrison Butker or something like that. But, you know, he is a camp leg. He is a guy that went undrafted, but he's got power. I mean, kicking 58 yards in college, that's insane. That's not normal. No, I like, I like him. His, his college tape is pretty impressive. You, you mentioned the 58 yarder. That's a school record for the university of Pittsburgh. He also led the entire nation with 23 made field goals last year, which includes 12 kicks from beyond 50 yards out. The guy has a monster of a leg. You mentioned the, the poor field goal percentage, but he finished his collegiate career with 341 total points, which is the 13th most in ACC history, a pretty good football conference. Um, Two names that kind of jumped out to me, though, that rank ahead of Kessman on that list are Bagley, who ranks sixth in conference history with 403 total points. And then former Charger kicker Nick Novak um, is eighth on that list with 393 points. I I thought it was interesting. Um, But, you know, looking at Kessman and Badley. I really think Kessman is a younger version of the Money Badger. They had really similar college careers. They played at different schools, but obviously the same conference, and and they struggle with the same kicks, those intermediate 40 to 49-yard range. Kessman was only 23 of 35 on those mid-range shots during college, but I kind of get the feeling that if the new coaching staff wants to start over, if they feel like they need to start over from from scratch and build it up from the bottom, I, I feel like Kessman's the guy that they roll with. You know, I think long-term Kessman is the better kicker just for the fact that he's got the power. He's very similar to Badgley and, and, you know, the things that Badgley's bad at. But if you're looking, if you're projecting Kessman out five years, you know, he could be the next, you know, all pro type kicker. Badgley's job is not safe. The only thing Badgley does have is experience. Badgley's made big kicks in his career. They're only in his rookie season, you know, but it just comes down. Do you want the guy who's money accurate 100% from inside 40 yards, or do you want somebody that's going to give you that opportunity to win the game with a 55 yarder? Badgley has the 59 yarder. I haven't really gone back and seen maybe wind help push that a little bit further. I just know that Kessman has the leg. He does, but we've been ta- we talked about it. They struggle with the same thing, and it's the accuracy on those mid-range things. It's something that takes time to, to get and nail down. Badly has the three years head start, so I'm rolling with Badly for now. I, I, today, He's the veteran. The incumbent, rarely do incumbent guys get replaced. New coaching staff, new special teams coordinator, fresh start. Maybe the confidence isn't shaky. Maybe there's some of that lingering for Badgley. I like Badgley just as a person, too. You hear him in podcasts. He's got his own podcast. Who knows? Uh, We'll see how that camp battle 
plays out. I'm actually excited to see how that plays out. Uh, I'm more or less concerned with how this punting room is going to be. Ty Long is the incumbent. What are your thoughts on Ty Long? Ty Long. Ty Long. Yeah. Um, well, he did have three punts blocked last year, but it definitely was not all his fault. He had awful protection all year long. But when he did get a leg through a ball, he averaged 47 yards per punt. There are only eight guys in the league last year who averaged more. But when you look at his net average, which accounts for which accounts for the yards earned by the receiving team, it drops way down to 34.1 yards per punt, the absolute worst average in the league. You know what that tells me? That's He's not getting, a problem with the kicker. Right. That's a problem with the coverage units, which was exactly. terrible. Awful. And I guess the good news when you look at that, we have nothing, nowhere to go but up. We can only improve off of the worst punt coverage team last season. So that's the good news. I also kind of get the feeling with the guys brought in already with Staley leading the charge and head coach in the making, Darius Swinton, calling the shots on special teams. I feel like this unit overall could be very good. I feel like we can easily jump into the middle of the pack or maybe the top 10 in most special team stat categories, which would be a tremendous turnaround when you consider that we were last or ranked very close to the last in, in all of those last year. So when I think of Ty Long, I think of the three block punts. None of that is his fault. But when you're trying to get that kickoff super, super fast because you know that your coverage units, your blocking units are just letting guys through, that really messes with your ability to not outkick your coverage because you're trying to get it out. And there's a motion with punting, right? There's one step, two step, and then you let it fly. But when you're speeding that process up and you're afraid that you're going to get another punt blocked, it really messes with your rhythm. And Ty Long was actually really good in 2019, even with bad special teams play last year. I, th- I think he's actually a pretty good punter overall. And I just, it, it's a product of last year's special teams units as a whole. It doesn't fall directly on Ty Long. No. I don't see Lachlan Edwards being able to beat him out. Now, Lachlan Edwards kicked for the Bills, I want to say, last season. I don't have any notes on him. Uh, because I don't think there's a chance that he's able to dethrone Ty Long because I think Ty Long is the guy. He I, was really good in 2019. So I do have some notes on Lachlan Edwards because I have Edwards beaten Long out. <laughs> he actually, he was with the Jets last season, um, but I think he was a really legit shot of pushing Long for the starting job because what he's really, really good at, Long can't do at all. Um, First off, he has a very Edwards has a very interesting um, come up in, in football. Uh, he was born in Canada, grew up playing Australian football, which I don't know a whole lot about, but it's basically rugby with a smaller ball, eighteen v eighteen at all times. Um, for my five minute research, that's basically what I came. That was the conclusion I came to. So he grew up playing that. He's obviously a pretty durable guy. He went to the University of Ballarat, which is in Australia somewhere. Um, before he came to the States. And there he played Aussie rule football, rugby, cricket, and he ran track. So he's an athletic punter. Now, as a pro, he only averages 45 and a half yards per punt. But 108 of those, he has pinned inside the 20-yard line. Being able to pin teams deep in their own zone is so important. And the Chargers punting team has really been lacking that 
ever since 2016 when Mike Cyphers left. Um, Man, I miss that that name. Mike Cyphers was a beast. He was a beast. And I, I really, to me, I have this feeling that there's no way both Long and Badly come back next season. I, I just wow. don't. I just don't see it. Um, I mean, both. it's a new Maybe coaching one. staff. It's yeah. a new coaching staff. New coaching staff has their own players, especially for that specific unit, the special teams. It's a turnover every year. Rarely, rarely do you have guys on special teams coming back every single year because you got players that are leaving constantly, and that's the position group that's constantly changing. That's why you can go from one year having the worst special teams unit to the next year having a pretty that's decent true. one. Yeah, well, and thinking that way, you know, I really like Badly. I was honestly never really that impressed with Long. So my prediction, I'm going with Money Badger at kicker, and I like the Lachlan Aussie football player Edwards as our punter. So that'll be an interesting camp battle to watch in itself if you think it's that close. I know he's got experience. Both players are pretty similar in in years' experience. Uh, So that should be a tight battle. It's a good thing to have that that close – it is competition. Even even if it isn't as close as I thought, at least both badly and long are going to sweat a little bit in training camp. It's not given to them. That and that's what we want. We want. I would love both of them to earn their spot. I would. I would love that. I just don't see it happening. Well, we'll see. So let's move on to UDFAs. So I'll go first. I'll start with Ben DeLuca. I got the chance to talk about. Ben DeLuca a few weeks ago when we were talking about safeties. He's 6'1", 202 pounds. He's a big, strong, physical safety. He went to school at the University of Charlotte. Uh, He's from Orlando, Florida originally. He's the career record holder for career tackles with 313, fumble recoveries at nine, uh, fumble, forced fumbles at nine, fumble recoveries at six, pass breakups at 17, he was a first-team All-CUSA. He's a four-year starter, and he was a five-year academic honor roll student. So he did redshirt as a senior due to a shoulder injury that required surgery in 2019. But the guy is a beast. He's had over 50 tackles in all three years, 2020 being a little bit shortened due to the season, but he was on track for 60 that season. He's not extremely athletic, but he's super cerebral. Uh, He just plays smart, and it shows up on the field. He's a vocal leader. He gets players in position. Uh, He's rarely out of position himself. He just takes his time reading route combos. He lets the play develop and really just come to him. But like I said, his his athletic traits are subpar. So he did run a 4-7, 40-yard dash, which is extremely slow for a skill position player. But, you know, he did have a 36-inch vert, which is noticeable, uh, being that final guy in the back having that ability to go up and fight for contested catches that is important the issue is is he fast enough to get there I think there's a strong likelihood he makes the 53-man roster and really weak safety depth chart for the Chargers I like Ben DeLuca I think there's something there to develop at the very least he'll probably make the practice squad especially if it's a expanded uh, for COVID kind of similar was last year, but the guy is a baller. He's going to be able to compete against some, some depth at that position that probably isn't as strong as it has been in years past. So that's my thoughts on Ben DeLuca safety out of Charlotte. I'm with you. I like Ben DeLuca. Um, I guess I, I'll just take my first guy. We, we've talked about 
the lack of depth on the interior defensive line on past episodes. And it seems that the front office of the Chargers might have been listening to our podcast because they brought in two huge defensive tackles to camp. The first being Jared Goldwire out of Louisville. And the dude is is crazy agile for a guy his size. Now, being 6'6 is not always the best thing for a defensive tackle. He's going to have to work very, very hard keeping his pad level low so he's just not blown up every single play. But he's very quick, he's explosive off the line, and he's a decent athlete. He, he He's very raw, and he just doesn't have the strength that matches up with his size. At six, A 6'6 six, six guy, a 305-pound guy, should really be mowing people over at the collegiate level. He really doesn't have that explosive strength. For me, I really see him as a less developed Braden Fioko, except Fioko is is all power. And I still think Fioko doesn't even make this final roster. I, I think I think Goldwire competes with Fioko for a practice squad spot, but Fioko is going to take it because um, he just offers, a, I think, a little more than Goldwire does at this point. So one of the things about that position in particular is I don't think there is room for any of these UDFAs at that position with Christian Covington. Yeah. And then you've got Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery. And then, of course, you've got the the big man in the middle who's 330 pounds. There is a, that is a really hard position to dethrone. It's Christian Covington's job to lose. And yeah. he's he's got starting experience. So more than likely, you're looking at a – uh, practice squad spot for you know a, a strong room of UDFAs at that position yeah well hey, plenty of bodies plenty of bodies that's going to be a tough well the the, the front runners you mentioned it Linville Joseph and Covington should walk away with it but they're going to be pushed from those young guys for sure so next I'll talk about Eamon Ogbong Bamiga Ooh, let's see if I got that right <laughs> pretty good but Linebacker from Oklahoma State. He's 6'1, 231 pounds. He was born in Nigeria. He played high school in Canada. Uh, he was the number one ranked player in all of Alberta, Providence, coming out of high school. So, an interesting fun fact he's actually cousins, second cousins with Emmanuel Ogba, who talked him really into going to Oklahoma State in the first place to go play under Mike Gundy. Uh, he's slightly undersized, but he looks bigger on film than what his measurables are. He ran a 4.66 40-yard dash with a 32-inch vert and 24 reps on bench press. So he's an athletic guy. He goes up and he's, he just gets after it. Uh, he was projected as a sixth-round pick by Pro Football Network. He was a 16th-graded inside linebacker to that position group. Uh, lightly undersized for a run-first linebacker, but that's kind of his play style. He's, he's going to play better near the line of scrimmage. He enjoys contact, but you can see him getting driven off blocks by linemen, bigger guys. He's just he's, he doesn't have the size to really match up and he needs to improve in coverage. But he racks up tackles. He he doesn't get faked out. He breaks down. Well, I like him from that perspective. He had 100 tackles, 15.5 tackles for loss, five sacks, five sacks and one interception in 2019. That's insane production for a linebacker at any level for him to go and get 15.5 tackles for loss as a linebacker. That is ridiculous. Well, and in a solid con and a very, very good conference too. He wasn't Especially going up against that. scrubs. Yeah. This isn't Charlotte. This is right. Oklahoma state. This is the big 10 or big 12. I forget which, which one is which, but I, it's a, it's a big 10, the big 10. 
Uh, he was awarded the Leslie O'Neill Award as the defensive MVP for the Cowboys. If you don't know, Leslie O'Neill was a stud. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He went to Oklahoma State. Uh, but winning that award as the MVP of the Cowboys defense, that's big time to me. He was all Big Ten, second team, two years in a row. Uh, fun fact, he was actually drafted in the first round of the CFL draft, eighth overall by the Calgary Peters. Uh, only Canadian players get to be drafted. So that's interesting. Uh, I doubt that he actually goes to the CFL just because I, I think the linebacker room is a little light. And I think there's a good possibility, especially next year, that after Kaiser White leaves and I don't see Kaiser White staying, uh, he actually has an opportunity to, to get some playing time in certain sub packages. Uh, certain packages when you're in base defense, I shouldn't say sub packages. I think he can be a key contributor to special teams. Let me rephrase that. He's going to be a key contributor to special teams yeah. because that is that is his bread and butter. That's where he's going to make a lot of his money throughout his career if he doesn't end up progressing to a starter at some point in his career. Uh, like I said, Kaiser White is a free agent. High likelihood that if he sticks around, he can find himself pretty high in the depth chart, third. Uh, so I'm excited for Amin Ogbong Bamiga. He's he's a he's a guy that I also think might make this 53 man roster at the very least. Uh, he's a practice squad player, but I think he's much much more than that. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Um, moving down the list, the, the other DT brought in was Arkansas State product Forrest Merrill, and he's going to have absolutely none of the leverage problems that Goldwire will have because he's as compact. I think you can make a human being at six foot, 330 pounds. The dude is just a tank. Uh, I found this video of him benching 225 casual 48 times. And I say casual because he's just pumping these things out and he's making it look easier than I can do 15 jumping jacks. This guy is just <laughs> pumping these things out. And then I really hope they gave the guy some water because the video just cuts and then he's going outside and he deadlifts a minivan five times. Oh my God. Absolutely <laughs> incredible, crazy strength. I look up the video. It's out there. The dude is a beast. That um, makes me think Christian Covington really has well, some competition. He has some competition. So, and you're in my head, man. So he Merrill has all the tools to be to fit the bill of the run stuffing nose tackle. You could plug holes, take on double teams, and anchor a defensive line. But he has no type of pass rush arsenal. He's very limited in that phase of the game. I do think Merrill has a way better chance of making the roster than Goldwire, but you mentioned it. Christian Covington is a very similar player who could also get after the quarterback. I like Merrill as a potential practice squad candidate because that strength is absolutely very, very enticing. I, I think he could help fill the void when Linville Joseph inevitably retires, but I, I don't think he gets the shot this season because of the Covington signing. I, I, I mentioned it before. That's his spot. It is. It's his to lose, and I find it very unlikely for a player with starting experience to, to lose that. Plus, I think Christian Covington gives you a little bit more in the pass rush. I know he's got yeah. a couple stacks each year, and he's like a six-year veteran. So th it's very, very unlikely for a player who has developed much more to lose no. that spot. 
And Merrill definitely being the run stuffer he is, there's definitely a role, I think, for him. I think he will be developed. I think he will have a, a decent NFL career. I just don't see it this year on this LA Chargers team. So let me talk about Darius Harper because this dude is huge. So he's a 6'7", 300-pound offensive tackle. He's a former basketball player. Uh, as a freshman and sophomore, he transferred uh, after playing those two years. I forget where he played at, but he transferred to Cincy as a junior, and the dude is just huge. I got the chance to read up a little more about him from Bolts from the Blue, their UDFA profile, and I was able to find a highlight tape. And the first thing you notice is he is just way bigger than anybody else he's playing against. Six, seven offensive tackles. That's that's something I like to see. Uh, one of the things I noticed was his pass sets. The guy just has such a wide base. He's got these long, giant legs. And his technique is terrible. But he gets <laughs> so much gaps between his legs that when he's facing edge rushers that have some speed – He's able to counteract that. Plus, he's super athletic. So he makes up with a lot of his raw talent with that athleticism. He did score an 8.23 RAS score, and he had a 5.05 40-yard dash. He scored well, really well with his agility and his shuttle and three-cone drill. But he only managed 16 reps on bench press. Like I said, he's a former basketball player. So he just hasn't developed that strength part of him. But when you see him on tape, he looks mean. He looks angry. He's nasty. He's able to use his weight and leverage to to kind of wall off defenders. Um, that speed and agility of his really makes up for his lack of technique, and he's able to take those just wide steps to really counteract any sort of pass rush. But in the NFL, that's only going to take you so far. I think there's a high likelihood he makes the practice squad. I still think there's a lot to develop for him to make the 53-man roster, but the athletic traits is something that you're really, really just mouth-watering over. He's definitely a player with a lot to develop with such tremendous upside. Uh, the first thought that goes to my brain when I think of Darius Harper is Jason Peters. Now, he's not quite as big as Jason Peters, but he's kind of got a similar route Jason Peters, if you don't know, he he actually played tight end his first couple years in the NFL before he transitioned offensive tackle just because he was an athletic freak. Now, Peters ended up gaining like, you know, he went up to like 325, 330 pounds. Plus, he was super athletic. He swallowed a mountain that offseason. He did. And if if Darius Harper can kind of do the same thing and and redefine his technique, you know, keeping thumbs up, punching, uh, taking better uh, pass sets, his his uh, kick step is it's it's not a kick step, it's a side step, and he needs to to get that much better. But he's super athletic; he'll pick it up eventually. He's only played football for two years, so there's there's so much to develop. He's only going to get so much better. He's a guy that I really think is going to progress and and be and at least a swing tackle at some point in his career. I like Darius Harper. I, I'm excited to see what he's he develops into, for sure. All right. Well, I guess sticking with that theme, um, Kyle Spaulding is a 6'6", 305-pound offensive lineman from San Diego State who was recruited by the Aztecs to play tight end. He played as tight end, I believe, as a freshman. 
and originally played quarterback in high school. Very athletic guy. He was no scrub either at quarterback. Totaled 5,103 yards and 54 touchdowns during as a high school quarterback. Pretty, Sheesh. Pretty good. That's from an alignment. you see offensive linemen quarterbacks transition to offensive linemen that's not normal not no so obviously a very very good athlete and he uses that to his advantage has very quick feet great get off and very violent at the point of attack he finishes his blocks and because of it he earned all mountain west conference honors um he allowed just one sack on 216 passing plays last season also very very disciplined only drew one flag on 550 total snaps now the team has done so much to improve the offensive line but i think we're very very thin at the tackle position especially when you factor in the fact that blog is 32 years old and coming off yet another injury the tackle depth very very slim but i I like giving trey pipkins another year to develop but for me storm norton hasn't really shown me enough to want to keep him around. I think Spalding brings more physicality, and I think he has more potential than Norton does. I also think Spalding fits the direction of this offensive line that the Chargers are trying to build up. And trying I'd to like get to, big. They're trying, to, trying get big, to get big. They're trying to get mean. And I'd like to see him, Kyle Spalding, make the team as the team's primary backup at right tackle and, and push Norton off the roster. I definitely see Norton as one of the guys that's probably not very safe to return next season, especially with the new coaching staff. Um, You know, guys from that, that league, uh, I forget what the league was called. The XFL. um, It's, I'm not necessarily sure that league has developed enough players. And for, we we only got what, like six games out of that season. So we'll see where it leads. I'm interested to see how the spring league ends up developing players. We got a couple guys that came from the spring league, which I didn't even know was a league until last yeah. night. Uh, one of the guys that I should know more about, but I don't is Michael Bandy wide receiver out of San Diego university of San Diego, not San okay. Diego state, really small college. Uh, this is, is USD. Are they the Toreros? Yeah, the Toreros, yes. My wife actually went to USD. Uh, I didn't know that they had a player of this caliber, though. Now, we're talking about guys that were going up against, like, Division Three, you know, really bottom-of-the-barrel guys. But you look at his production, 88 receptions, 1698 yards. That is, that is crazy to get almost 1,700 yards in a single season. And he had 14 touchdowns. That was as a junior. As a senior, he had 75 receptions for uh, 11, 52 yards and 12 touchdowns. Anytime you're getting over 1,500 yards, that's eye-opening. It doesn't matter if you're playing high school, college, NFL. That is a ton of production. He's a small guy. He's only 5'10", 190 pounds. He's one of those guys that I'm really looking at as like a rat guy. Now, I didn't get to watch too much film of him because it's really hard to find Division Three film. Yeah. Uh, but one of the takeaways I'm, I'm going to get into here in a sec is that Tom Telesco is looking far and wide for NFL talent. You, we already talked about the XFL. He signed Donald Parham and Storm Norton from the XFL. Uh, he's now signing guys from the Spring League. 
I'm assuming he's looking at the CFL. He's looking far and wide to go and bring guys to camp that nobody knows about these Austin Ecklers and see if, you know, they have what it takes to, to play real NFL football. So I like Michael Bandy just from the stats part of things. Yeah. Just because, I mean, 1,700 yards, bro. That's, that's crazy. Insane. That's explosive. We could find We could find a use for that type of explosiveness, definitely. And if you're looking for guys at that level of competition, you have to see something that really explodes. You have to see guys that are just abnormal. 1,700 yards is abnormal. Now, I think he's a long shot because he's playing against Division three guys. But, I mean, we'll see where it leads. 5'10", 190 pounds. He's, the Chargers don't really have too many small speedsters. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying he is a speedster, to be honest. I don't know much about him. Like I said, I'm going off stats and what little bit of information I can find about him. Yeah, so interesting. Um, how many other guys did we sign from the Spring League? So we did sign... I want to say we signed four guys from the spring league. I'll talk about these last two actually briefly. So Willie Yarberry, he's a defensive tackle, 6'2", 285 pounds. Uh, he's bounced around a little bit. So he played college at Wake Forest. Uh, he went to the spring league, played for the Massachusetts Pirates, whatever who that is. Uh, <laughs> but he, he went to the Falcons camp in 2019, and he played in the CFL's Toronto Argonauts team. Uh, he was a team captain at Wake Forest. The eye-opening thing that I saw there is from the interior defensive line, he racked up 53 tackles and 11 tackles for loss with 5.5 sacks. And in 2018, he had surgery on a shoulder that uh, really just took him out the rest of the year. Uh, the last player was Damon Lloyd, a uh, linebacker out of Indiana of Pennsylvania, which is, again, <laughs> I guess that's a school. Where is that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he played for the spring league in the spring league for some team. Uh, the spring league only had eight teams. So this is a really small, small league. Um, I don't know much else about Damon Lloyd. Other than that, he was a linebacker. And I think you talked about the, the last guy you talked about played for the spring league as well. Forrest Merrill. Forrest Merrill. Yeah. Yeah. And then actually I have one last player. You gave me a long snapper from yep. Georgia Southern. I put him in there. <laughs> Ryan Langland. Uh, it is eye-opening. He is a four-year starter as a long snap snapper. Uh, he's a cold body who, I mean, it's really hard to dethrone a long snapper because there's not very many just bad long snappers out in the NFL. Uh, he studied criminal justice, if you want to know that. <laughs> I did, and he was now a, I do. And he was all Sunbelt first team as a special teamer. Ryan Langland, um, look, just... <laughs> Get your long snapping down and you'll make the roster. Let's just say that. All right. I I meant I missed one one guy. Um and that was Justin Herbert's former teammate and former Oregon Duck, Hunter Campmoyer. The reason I almost forgot about him is because I, I really don't think he has a chance in the world to make this roster. Um he began his collegiate career as a defensive end, transitioned to tight end as a sophomore in 2018. But he played four years for the Ducks, only racked up 20 catches, 224 yards, and four touchdowns. He's, he's, a, he's a blocking tight end with some special teams upside. 
some of his nastiest blocks I did see did come as a wing back in that duck offense with him flying across the formation and just taking out whoever dared to get in his way. So seeing that makes me feel like he could potentially push uh, Gabe Neighbors for some reps in training camp, but I really realistically, I don't see him making the roster when you look at the rest of the tight end talent that we brought in this year. We signed Jared Cook, the pass-catching veteran. He's making the team. I really don't see you investing a third round pick in a guy you don't have a, a you know, a, a path for. So I think Trey McKitty is also basically a lock to make the final roster. And Steven Anderson brings some veteran presence at a cheap price. He's also a very good blocker. So I just don't see where Camp Moyer really fits into this rotation. Now, I think his best bet sticking around is is maybe pushing Matt Sokol off of the practice squad. Um, but I, I get it. Getting a friendly face for Herbert is, is enticing, but, um, I think camp Moyer is going to have a very, very difficult training camp. Um, but eventually he's not going to, he's, he's just not going to make the roster. Yeah, he's not. Uh, I do like camp Moyer from what film I did see, but I mean, when you look, you, you just compared him to our fullback, Gabe neighbors, Gabe neighbors is a really, really good receiver. He's very bad blocker, but he's a good receiver. You look at his Florida state tape, the guy split out into the slot quite a bit as, as a college athlete. And you weren't seeing that from camp Moyer. We've got blocking tight ends there. We, yeah, that's you've got a- one, you got Trey McKitty. Uh, Steven Anderson is a long shot to make the roster. So if you're banking on beating him out to, to make the tight end room, uh, that's not saying a whole lot because he's probably, we're probably not going to carry more than three anyways. Uh, I think it's very unlikely he even makes a practice squad, but you know, you could, he could surprise who knows. I don't know how athletic he is. I don't know much about him. Uh, ultimately, I guess we'll just find out in training camp. I'll be at training camp August 9th. Uh, so I'll get a chance to, the look at him if he's not cut by then. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I I don't know. It, from I watched very very little tape because he's a blocking tight end. Um, but he's he's a decent blocker. He's a much better blocker at this point in his career than Neighbors is. He can't catch a football to save his life. Can't run routes. All of his catches were off quick hitting sticks or outs. So you know his his route running ability is not up to par. Um, but as a blocking tight end, we'll see if he could push for a spot. So I know we've covered about 95% of the roster. I know we're missing a couple guys who have been on the practice squad for a few years. I know there's a couple wide receivers. Uh, but for the most part, I think we've covered basically everybody that has a real shot to make at least the 53-man roster and most likely the entire practice squad. So... I think we're ready to start talking about some different teams in the next podcast. What do you think? Let's do it. You know, I, I'd be I'd be surprised if we missed a guy that doesn't make the fifty three roster and doesn't make the practice squad. I'd be really, really surprised because I think I think we I think we got everybody. We did. I know we have like uh, Hurst. Uh, I don't even know his name. John Hurst, who is a wide receiver. I, we got a few guys, but. To be honest, these guys have been on the practice squad for a few years. They haven't shown enough to make the 53-man roster before, so we've covered basically everyone who has some legitimate shot at making the roster. Uh, 
who do we want to talk about next? Which team are we going to break down heading into training camp? We got the Raiders, Chiefs, and the Broncos. I think we should just stick with the rivalry and, you know, see it when we believe it and go with the Chiefs. Let's go with the Chiefs. So next week, we're talking about the Chiefs. We're going to break down their roster. I think Pat Mahomes is a little scared. I think he doesn't want to admit it, but I think he's kind of scared. So let's talk. You know, he'll see it when he believes it. Uh, Whatever that means. (laughs) You guys, you see that all over Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad we didn't let. uh, Yeah, (laughs) funny. (laughs) So next week, we'll break down the Chiefs roster. We'll go. I don't know. Maybe we'll go position group by position group and just really try to break down their weaknesses, their strengths, uh, what we're expecting from the Chiefs next year. Uh, I'm expecting. Uh, runner up for for the NFL. So there is a lot to talk about there. I'm excited to get into it. And who knows? We'll, we'll see if we have the talent and the coaching staff to dethrone the team that's really made us look bad the last 10 years. Yeah. We have not won very many games against the Chiefs over the yeah. last decade. It'll be tough, but yeah, I, that's who I want to start with. That's who we're aiming for. I get. I feel like they're the only team we're really worried about. Ah, I, I don't, we're going to get into it. I want to start with the Chiefs because they're the team that I'm eyeing and the team I want to get back the most right now in the conference or in the All right. division. Any closing remarks, Zach? I hate the Chiefs. Pat Mahomes, we know you're scared, and we're coming for you. <laughs> I love the little little <laughs> little jabs. Yeah. All right, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys are interested in a copy of the Shock Therapy magazine, slide into my DMs. Don't be afraid. I'll send some PDFs out. If you don't have money to buy one, I'll still send you the PDF. It's I'm not really – if you want to support, support. If you can't support – don't worry, I'll send it to you anyways. My job is just to to give out to this community. I want I want this Chargers community to be something special. I think it is something special. It's growing. Our Twitter is the best NFL Twitter out there. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. 
Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.